One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Billy Munger. And hello, I am Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the podcast that takes you flat out around the world of Formula One. Now, we have had some great questions sent in to the pod this week, and we are really grateful to everyone who has taken the time to get in touch. We are really enjoying turning Johnny into a star of TikTok. So if you haven't seen it, make sure you check out our page and all our social media handles at Lift the Lid Pod. So here we go, Billy. It's time for us to open up our team radio and lift the lid. Johnny, I'm not going to lie, mate. There's only one way we can start this week. And yeah. that is with a brilliant email we received from Giles Panton. So, Giles, we really appreciate you taking the time <laughs> to get in touch with such a brilliant email. We've been finding it hard to keep our egos in check since we read it, but the main thing Giles alerted us to was, Johnny, is it true rock legend Chris Rea actually wrote a song about you? Uh, yes, Chris Rea did. Uh, it was back in 93 when I was at uh, Lotus struggling with the active suspension car that we had uh, that season, and Chris was very kind to bring up this uh to uh, get this song out there, which was Johnny Needs a Fast Car. Which was completely true. And it was it was lovely, actually, because it went on his album, actually, in 83, Ex- Espresso Logic. But, uh, yeah, Chris was, was really kind because I even got some tapes, which was sort of the first recordings that he had done of, uh, of the song. And I... I because I was so frustrated. I think it was Portugal, I think, of 93. And I played the the the, the cassette as loud as I possibly ca- could in the Lotus motorhome. It didn't go down very well. <laughs> Johnny needs a 
But I loved it. I thought it was it was lovely of Chris to do that because he's a he's a petrol head anyway. Loves his racing. Was always around at Grand Prix. Obviously very close to Eddie Jordan, as we all know very very well. But uh, yeah, it was a lovely. It's very touching actually for someone like Chris to come out there and, and bring out a song like that and actually put it on an album. Brilliant. Yeah, you're on an album, mate. Go cool. on. That's impressive. Super impressive. <laughs> well, while we're on the topic, mate, I thought I'm just going to put it out there to the wide world. If anyone wants to write yeah. me a song, please feel free. <laughs> you know, maybe uh, a Storm's Ear or a Drake, you know. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that being a good dynamic, Storm's Ear. I don't know what he'd say about me, but... Um, yeah, well, any of them, you, you're open to, to writing a song for me. I'd be here for it. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. But I think we need to ask everybody, what, sh- what should be the title of that song? The title of my song. Huh? Billy Needs a Song Too. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some, some proper <laughs> funny uh, titles to the songs and all sorts. But let, let's I'm have gonna, them. Let's, I can I'm, do gonna, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm going to write a few it. down, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, all right, mate. Actually, I might write you a song. What about that? What about if I write you a song? What What are you like, the old music, mate? What's, are you a lyrical genius? Am I going to be impressed? My spelling is awful, so it'd be quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it made no sense. Stay tuned on the podcast, people, because, yeah, God knows where this is going to lead to. We've got actually <laughs> some follow-ups from Giles. Yes, And okay. the first one is, did you ever listen to the song on the grid in 93 and 94? And number two, do you know why Chris wrote it? So, uh, well, I, well, I'll answer the them. second one first because Chris yeah. was a race fan. Chris was, I suppose, he was a little fan of me. I suppose you can see I was struggling big time, and uh, as I said, the Lotus ninety three wasn't uh, the best of best of cars, even with the uh, the active suspension that it had. And he was absolutely correct with that title of that song. I need a fast car. I think every racing driver would relate to that title. Exactly, yes. So we went through 93 struggling and we went through 94 struggling as well. So actually it never got realised, unfortunately, that I left and went to Benetton at the end of 94 for 95. So so it sort of came my way a little bit bit later on. Did I listen to the song? As As I explained, it was a tape. The demo was on a tape. So you're talking about those quite big, thick Walkman-type tape things that we used to have, portable tape things, which would have, well, I would, I would probably needed a, a trolley to carry it onto the grid because they would have weighed so much in those days. So, no, I only put it on, as I said, in the motorhome for everybody to sort of hear it inside the motorhome and outside the motorhome. Sorry, Peter <laughs> Collins. Sorry, Peter Wright, because I actually played it to... Uh, uh, to make sure that they heard it. But no, never listened to it going onto the grid. Do you remember the opening lyrics to the song, mate? You know, you said you're a bit of a master with the old lyrics. No, lyrics you never get. No, that's all gone wrong already. <laughs> no, I can't even get the beginning of the damn song, no. Johnny needs a fast car. I think it's Johnny. I can't remember what he had started off now. I've got a few of those first lines written down, yeah. Johnny needs a fast car. Johnny needs it bad. Johnny yeah. always do the best, whatever Johnny has. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Very, very true, kind words. Thank you, yeah. Chris. How much did you pay Chris <laughs> to write those lyrics for you, mate? 
Why? Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't need to pay anybody for that. That was just a connection. Oh, yeah. A connection that we had. And it was the pain yeah. I was going through that Chris was going through the same pain. Yeah, he could get it out there in the into the music world, where I couldn't because yeah. I could. It's like anything with a driver, you could never ever slack off a team because you get into trouble by slagging off a team sometimes. So, <laughs> so Chris was your outlet of frustration, yes. My relief valve. <laughs> you really brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Thanks, really uh, Giles, for for yeah, making thanks, us Joel. aware of that. That is, uh, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> We've also had some great responses, Johnny, from our star question from Anthony Joshua last week. So Indeed. lots of lots of people at home have been in touch to tell us about how who the F, best F1 driver turned boxer would be. And we've had some good suggestions, I think. You know, we've had a, a list come through, mate. Yeah, we have, haven't we? Kimmy, Weber, Danny Rick, Pastor Maldonado. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, Danny Coulthard, Montoya. I mean, DC's got a, yeah, he's got a jaw made from the heavens, so maybe that would be able to take a punch. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm looking at that. I'm going, any of those? Well, Kimmy would be quite interesting because it'll be that normal thing, yeah. You couldn't tell him anything in the corner after each round, having a chat with Kimmy, do this and do that. He would not be <laughs> listening to anybody. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, actually, we need to hear from you, Anthony. Who would you like to fight? Yeah, if you could fight any F1 driver, who would it be? <laughs> do you want to fight? There you go. Please don't say me or Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just run around the ring. Well, I wouldn't run around the ring. I'd hop around the ring. And you'd hop around the <laughs> ring as well. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. We'd be sitting ducks. We would be yeah, sitting ducks. We would be sitting ducks. But we are small. <laughs> yeah, it was a brilliant question. Yeah, it was very good. Very yeah. good. Like that one, yeah. We actually have got some more questions here. Yes, we have. So, got one here from Greg. Uh, who is the funniest driver you have ever met? Funniest driver you've ever met? I'll tell you what, and I'm going to go to actually my boxing choice. And I loved his humor. And I, I still love his humour now. Well, I've got a couple, actually. I've got Damon because he's got the driest, driest sense of humour out there. And he's got, he's got a very, very, very good way of telling jokes. But it's just the way he talks. And it's just so, so funny. But Nigel Mansell as well. I think Nigel really played to the crowd. He really played to the media. There was always some issues, always cutting his finger or, you know, cramping his foot and he'd be hobbling around after the race laying on the floor I remember in Monaco when he had that battle with Ayrton Senna but he was a magician or is a magician as well I know a little bit about Nigel Mansell's antics with you know magic tricks because I <laughs> yes. think it was back in 2017 at the Autosport show I was on stage yeah. with, with Nigel and we were having a chat and he decided to do one of his magic tricks next to me <laughs> and nearly set me alight in the process <laughs> there you go great sense of humor <laughs> yeah i think like, the crowd were slightly concerned this was i for about a second that you know i was about to yeah. go up in flames in front of a live audience but thank yeah. god that he managed to yeah avoid that one but yeah he's a funny funny guy Nigel. Yeah, he's a funny guy yeah sebastian vettel got a cracking cracking sense of humor and michael schumacher Made a lot of people yeah. laugh when I when I drove with him in '95. He he really did have some jokes that he was able to tell, even when we were in the in the in the debrief room. So so there are yeah. certain drivers out there that do have that ability to to have a bit of a bit of a fun time. Well. Yeah, that was two German guys as well, which was really good. Yeah, the guys that jump out to me from being in in and around the F1 paddock, I I love Mark Webber and DC. I love their yeah. their 
humour and Banter. I think together they are a good little duo act so yeah walking around the paddock with them and seeing them operate there because they're so different in so many different ways but yeah they're, they're a good yeah. laugh to be around you know it's there's never, yeah. never a dull moment so that's always enjoyable just quickly Johnny I think we might have missed a question I don't know if you did this on purpose mate but you know I'm going to make sure that we get this question well, in there I think it's been important to do it and it is for you it says do you have memories of being in a wrestling ring for live TV during the Mexican Grand Prix and how beat up were you? And that's from Stephen. Stephen, I have got this one. Ah, funny that you might have uh, you might have missed that one, mate. I'm proud of that. It was in the paddock, uh, in the Formula yeah. One paddock. They had about four, I think, four Mexican uh, wrestlers. And I thought it would be a bit of a laugh to uh, go in and have a bit of a wrestle. I had my Johnny Herbert mask. And I got in, I know the guy spoke a little bit of English and I just said to him, be very careful because of my legs are not very good because they don't move. So be a bit careful with me. So we started <laughs> around, a bit of pushing and shoving and yeah, a bit of funny wrestling and everything else. And then he grabbed hold of me and slammed me to the ground. <laughs> and he had, his, he had his arm on my neck. He was twisting. He was pulling my legs up. He was, oh, he... It, it was awful. It was awful. It was not soft in any shape or form. Because I know when you see it on TV, it looks look it looks all very well scripted, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, there was no script to this match that we were having, and it was a free he beat for the, all. he beat the hell out of me, and I had no chance, no comeback whatsoever. Did I feel a bit stiff after? Yes, I did. Have you got a signature move, mate? Did you have something in your locker? You think, oh, this is going to work yes. a treat. What was yes. it? Run. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's very simple. Very simple. Well, it's not actually very simple for me to do because I'm don't. i not very flexible when it comes to trying to get through the ropes and get out of the ring to then run away because I couldn't. He pinned me down in front of the whole damn paddock. It, it was quite funny, though, I have to say. Quite funny. So I do was remember. Was there a bit of a walk of shame afterwards where you've just been beaten up by this, this wrestler? Really? No, not at all. I was the only driver, and I do I think I was the only person in that paddock who went in that ring. All right. Well, that's fair enough then, mate. I'm tough. Yeah. I'm tough. Brave on your part. I'll give you that one, mate. Do you have a wrestling name, mate? No. Ah! That's it. That's scream. Your name. And scream. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. And I've still got the mask, as I said, somewhere. I don't know where we've put it at the moment. Well, I wish I could have been there to see it, mate. So anyway, right, moving on from that yeah, one. Yeah, we'll move uh, on. We'll move ba, ba, ba. on. Very, very good question, though. There you go. Right, so this is from Sarah. If you have the best car, will you always win? If you are the best driver, yes. That's my answer. But will you always win? Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that it might, you know, you might get crashed into or, you know, or it might break down for some reason. So you, you're probably not going to win every race. Again, if we are, if it was me and you, yep. teammates, yep. and we've got the best car, would I win every single race? No. Would you win every single race? No, no. we don't. Yeah, to be fair, no one in the history of the sports won every race, so that probably says it all. A team has nearly won every yeah. race. I don't mean actually a team has won every single race. No, they mm. haven't. And that is where it becomes very, very difficult. But as a driver yourself, to win every single race, no, because you're always up against your your teammate. And generally, generally, you, the team is always going to have two strong ones yeah. in there. And, and 
things as you know, Billy, and I think it was we all know when we watch, don't always go to plan. No, and there's a lot of moving parts in Formula One. You know, you've got pit stops, you've got all these different factors that come into play, the right strategy, the right tyres, rain coming at the wrong moment after you've pitted. You know, there's all these sort of factors that can get involved across a whole season. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to be winning it every race. No. Uh, do you remember Max Verstappen winning his first race? Max Verstappen winning his first remember? race. Yeah. Spain in yeah. Red Bull. First ever race Red Bull. Was that the fastest car? No. No. Why Why wasn't it the fastest car? Because the Mercedes were the fastest car. And why did Max win? Because those two Mercedes crashed into each other. Yeah. So there's, there's another answer. Yeah. You don't always get a race win just because you're the quickest. Because other factors come into play. Yeah, they do indeed. Right, some great questions there. We're going to take a little short break and more of the same when we get back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. More questions to come up. Thank you for everyone who's given us questions so far. Leading off the back of yep. Sarah's question, mate, we've got one here from Ben, and this says, have you ever really needed the toilet when driving? So, you know, Grand Prix, you know, can potentially go on for multiple hours. Ever needed the toilet? Ever been in that situation? Um, I'm not going to answer it. Oh. Uh, so, uh, have you? Why are you not going to answer it, mate? You can't just steer clear of that question. That's what the insight that people want to know at home, Johnny, is basically, have you wet yourself in the cockpit of a Formula 1 car? Yes, I have. Give us a bit of context. Okay, bit of context, a bit of context. Well, I, I was told by Professor Sid Watkins, who used to be sort of the main medical man at the, at the Grand Prix, bless you, Sid, and he told me that if you, because we drink a lot of fluid before the race, and he said that if you have a crash and your bladder is full, there is probably a very high chance that you would die if you have a big crash because your bladder will basically explode. No. And basically, the urine gets into your blood and kills you. Yes. So, how did I, how did I sort that you one? up for uh, pissing yourself? Absolutely. Yes. I still drank because I had to drink. But you always have to sort of, as you know, there is normally the, the driver's meeting in the toilet yeah, before the race. Is Everybody's in rushing in and out. Yeah, it's a bit of nerves, but it's a lot to do with the fluid. So then I, I sort of would do that sort of um, uh, toilet run. And then when I get in the car, strapped in, get ready before the race, um, I would then start to feel the urge once again. But time was sort of getting a little bit close to the start of the race. So... 
I learned that I, and because of what Sid had told me, I learned that I actually, I had to relieve myself in the cockpit. I bet your mechanics absolutely loved you, mate. Getting out after the the Grand Prix and going, oh, great, look what Johnny's left us. When I was in Lotus, I can't, that's 91 or 2, I can't remember which, I think it was 91, I think, Mexico, uh, have a feeling the urge, and I started to relieve myself. But one, because one thing I, I learned that I had to do, actually, was use a piece of the old paper to dab it as you as you were as you were relieving yourself to help try and soak it up because you, you basically with the seat belts especially the crutch seat belts it gets really oh, really sore mate, around that too area much i'm trying to do it as softly <laughs> as i can <laughs> my record and i think it was that mexican race actually and for whatever reason and it was the very early early days of all these sort of um sort of you know sports drinks that you have nowadays and it was i think it was gatorade and it quite yeah. literally went through me like a tap. It, 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 it just went straight in and quite literally straight out. But it seemed to be more than I took in that sort of came out there. So it was horrible stuff. It was not very good at all. And I think I did seven before you, the start no. of the race. Well, we had a couple of red flags as well. I think there were there were a couple of red flags, I think. Wow. But I cannot, I tried it only once to do it actually while I was driving. And it is impossible. Well, I did, but it's it's literally impossible to do it because you've so got you to relax. Seven times, but not when you're driving. So when did you do it then? In the pit stop? No, we did it. Did it on the grid, and sometimes when yeah. the red flag came out, you'd actually do it on a parade lap. Oh god! To the to the grid, stuff like that. So yeah, but but go but on. if I ever had a crash, I would survive that, and that was the whole point. It doesn't sound very nice, but it, there was a reason for it. I love how you've got that line there, like, but if I crashed, I would survive, just as a get-out-of-jail-free card for all your your antics of wetting yourself while I was driving. <laughs> but, but, that, but, but I was asked a question, and I'm not a liar, and I tell the, the truth. The question said nothing about, have you wet yourself? It just said, have you ever really needed a toilet when driving? You could have said, yeah, I've really needed a toilet, and that could have been well, that. the moment. <laughs> Well, moments, <laughs> moments, but it's impossible, Ben, to do it when you're actually driving. I need the toilet all of a sudden. <laughs> Go on, John, you can finish the podcast <laughs> by yourself, mate. I'm going to the loo. Please do. I'm going to move on very quickly. <laughs> have we got, have Unbelievable. we got time? Sorry, we got, we're not a long time, that one did, didn't it? Right. Uh, you've got time. No driver has won a race after they've started more than 300. Who do you think is more likely to break the record? Lewis or Fernando? That's from Charlotte. Good question. They've asked who do you think's going to break it, Lewis or Fernando? I'd say both. Yeah, I probably. If if I do it at this present moment, where we are at the moment, and where we may be going with a, with the Merck or with an Aston, I'd probably go yeah. Fernando first. If it's down to who does it first, I'd probably agree. Fernando looks more likely to do it than Lewis yeah. at the minute. I think that's just obvious from the way that Carl's performing. The fact he hasn't been off the podium this season, you know, it kind of says it all. But yeah, yeah equally, I think both of them will do it at some stage. I don't think Lewis is going to, you know, just disappear and never win a Grand Prix again. I don't think that's in his DNA. Uh, yeah, I know it's not in his DNA, but you just never know. If you don't get the right kit, it won't happen. Yeah. And that goes for yeah, both of them anyway. Obviously, this is dependent on both, yeah, to yes. have the car yeah. capable They're... of winning. And they're both capable, of course. But yeah. as I said, you know, even with the Aston Martin, we, we we know it's done an incredible job so far this season. Does it mean it's going to win in the next couple of years? No, not a guarantee at all. Nothing in Formula One's a guarantee. Nope. 
No, it's not so. But I'd probably say Fernando f- probably at this present time. Oh, good question, Charlotte. Yeah, Love good question. Good question. We've got another question here. This is from David, and it is, greatest driver never to be a world champion. And as a oh. follow-up to that question, worst driver to become a world champion. So, yeah. Worst driver? That's a difficult one, mate. That is, that is certainly is one. I'm going to put my best driver to not become a world champion out there, and I'm going to say Sterling yeah. Moss. Yes, of course. Of course, absolutely. He's got to be up there. I mean, you know, oh, got to be one of one of one of the greats, but not a world champion, which is baffling. But yeah, for me, he's up there. Any modern day drivers that you think haven't won a Formula One world championship that deserved it? Uh, me? Yeah, um, yeah, I'll put myself in there. I'd love to be a world <laughs> champion. <laughs> a guy that I thought had a, so much talent, and sadly we didn't see enough of him. There's two guys actually. Elio De Angelis is one. Okay. And uh, Gilles Villeneuve. I'd probably stick... Gilles I'd go Villeneuve with Gilles, Gilles Villeneuve. Yeah, Gilles Villeneuve. That's a, that's, a, that's a good shout. I was going to say for modern day ones, I think, you know, there's been a little bit of controversy around this recently, but potentially Felipe Massa, you know, with what went on back in, you know, back in yeah. the 08 season with what, what recently has come to light surrounding, you know, some of the situations that went on that could have made him a world champion, you know, that's one that I guess very true more recently could be considered probably the biggest, probably the biggest one actually. Yes, because I think he more than deserved it, but sadly it didn't quite, yeah, pan out. Didn't quite materialise. It was yeah, went that one went down right to the wire. That did. That was an epic quite, quite season. Literally. That was one of my first seasons of watching Formula One, and I remember being sat there when they were racing around in Brazil and going absolutely mental on my TV screen when I realised what was going on in that last lap. That was, yeah, epic for a fan's point of view. That really hooked me into the sport. And I'm still still here talking about it right now. Yep, yep, yes, we are. Yes, we are. It was an epic, it was an epic here, I have to say. Uh, right, let's throw another one in here. Oh, hello. So I've got this one from Zach. I'll let you explain this one. Yeah. How do you know what the racing line is? The racing line is that's so, such an interesting uh, question. If, yeah, it is an interesting question. So, because I don't know about you, Johnny, but after you know you start go karting and start you know you know learning racing lines and stuff like that, I used to find myself I'd walk around a corner, you know, just down the street, and if it was just a perpendicular squared off corner, I yep. would end up walking the racing line through it, which is you know from the outside to the inside and back out to the outside again. Basically, it's the line of least resistance, I think, is like the, the most That's sort a of good common one. way of explaining it. Yeah. So, you know, if you go through a, a tight right-hand corner, you start right as wide on the left as you can, you get to your apex point on the inside, and then you open up the steering wheel as much as you can so you can carry the speed through the corner. It's the fastest way through the corner. That's what yeah. racing drivers are all about. You know, there's different... Normally, the racing lines are quite conventional. Some circuits, you get a few different options of, you know, what you can do um, in certain corners. But in general, you'll find most of the racing drivers on the same part of the track because that's the quickest way through the corner. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you know, you have to use all of the road available that is that is there in front of you. That means going into the entry itself. And we do see it every now and again where... They use the curbs a lot, even sort of when they're going under braking, to make the entry as wide as they possibly can. And then that big yep. sort of flow through the mid corner to the exit. And again, letting the car, you let the car do the work. You don't aim. If you go to a racing school, they place cones. 
So you go to a cone to break, you go to the next cone to turn in, you get to the apex with another cone, and then there's another cone on the exit. You don't drive like that at all. It's all one big flow. And the thing that you make work for you is the car. So when you get to the apex of the middle of the corner, for example, the speed that you're carrying will actually dictate where you get to that curb. But you let the car do all that work for you. You don't steer it to a curb. You let the car flow through it. And it's all that flow. It's like Billy Billy was saying. It's just having that ability to sort of effectively, yeah, let the, let the car work. What One thing that fascinates me, Billy, is when you do drive with with some people, maybe on a track day, for example, their racing lines do not exist at all because their minds are so wired to what they do on, a, on, a, on, a, on the road. They drive like they're on yeah. the road. It's amazing. Yeah. There is a, there's, there's a massive amount of extra tarmac, and I mean meters of it, to their right-hand side if we're going through a left-hander on the exit, but they actually will come out in the middle of the road, but probably nearly on the end, on the inside of the corner. Amazing. Yeah, you do find that. Yeah, it's it's incredible how the brain... It's, it's programmed to stay in the same sort of, you know, same middle part of the road, to not venture too close to the, the edge where the grass is on, no, on certain roads no, and no. stuff like that. Yeah. But basically, yes, the question is, yeah, it's a flow, you let the car sort of take you to the exit of a corner for example yeah uh and i reckon mate this is probably gonna have to be our last question but it does look like a cracker to me Go on, and then. uh it's from zoe and she said i've read lewis is working on an f1 film with brad pitt Please? who will play the roles of johnny herbert and billy munger in that film okay now uh, that's steve, an interesting one steve mcqueen steve mcqueen that's who you want yeah that doesn't work though yeah <laughs> He's gone. He's passed. Someone's still with us, if possible, mate. Uh, well, actually, mine's quite simple. Brad Pitt. You. <laughs> I've got a feeling he's going to be, you know, yeah. he's going to be a rock star in this film. You and look similar. You, rec- you look similar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah? God, blimey. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I mean, going off your logic of, oh, you look similar to Brad Pitt. I could say anyone I like, mate. I could go, oh, I want the I want the rock to play me. Oh, you cannot criticise me for saying that after you've come what? out and said I look like Brad Pitt, mate. Come on. No, he's got a sense of humour. Oh, there is no need for that. <laughs> Blood of the bell. <laughs> oh, that was good. I like that. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Who's got more humour? <laughs> I like it. I can't believe you chose the rock. I thought you would have gone Tom what? Cruise or something like that. You know what? I think we potentially look similar. Owen Wilson. You know who Owen Wilson is? Yes, but I want serious. Is serious. It would work well, I reckon, that one. You're delusional. You know, <laughs> Owen Wilson, if you're out there, you know, have a little look on the old Instagram and see what I look like. I guarantee he'll be signing himself up for the role. He'll be disappointed, Owen. <laughs> enough of that, enough of that. I'm going to have to retire from the, <laughs> retiring from the podcast for this week. Uh, we will be back next week once me and Johnny have uh, mended our broken relationship as we will be building up to the start of uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It's not broken my side, but yes, that was brilliant. And thanks again to everyone who got in touch with us at Lift the Lid Pod. And we await more questions from you as well. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell. We'll speak to you guys next week and take care. Goodbye. You have, haven't you? You have wet yourself.
Well, I know you have. Maybe. 